We come to uh, Acts chapter 12, and it's a very familiar story, a um, story uh, that really shows us or reveals that God is in control. The, where I want to start, though, the early church was not always going through times of persecution. You might think that that's the way it was, that the church was always going through a rough, tough time of persecution, but that's not the case. Although Saul commenced the persecution following his conversion, he travels back to Jerusalem and after Barnabas takes him to the apostles and explains what had happened to Saul on the road to Damascus, he then stays with the apostles, he stays with them in Jerusalem until his life comes under threat from the Grecian Jews and so then he heads to Caesarea. He starts to cop a bit of the, uh, the persecution or experience persecution himself. But Acts 9.31 says that then, this is after he's gone to, um, to Caesarea, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So the church increased in numbers during a time of wonderful peace. The church doesn't have to endure persecution in order for it to grow. And the early church was not always under persecution. However, the church seems to spread more effectively when it is under persecution because Christians scatter. And so following a time of relative peace, a further wave of persecution commences. And this is where we pick it up in Acts chapter 12. A time under, of persecution under the compulsion of Herod Agrippa I. It's not a particularly happy looking chap, is he? Now, a very brief history lesson. Prior to the Roman Empire, Israel was within the Hasmonean dynasty and the family of Herod was the recognised royal family. Now when the Roman Empire swept through the region, they adopted a policy that allowed for anybody who was the present ruling entities to remain in place as long as they pledged loyalty to Rome. This is why we read of Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa, etc. And they were known to be the king of the Jews. They had this position as the royal family of, uh, over the Jews. So persecution of the church recommences in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that Herod, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. It would appear that 
Herod Agrippa I didn't like the idea that there was a growing group of, of people who considered someone else to be the king of the Jews. That is Jesus. There's this growing religious group who talk about somebody else as the, the true king of the Jews. And so as a trial, he, he has James, the brother of John, arrested and then executed. And this was well received by those who were loyal to Judaism. They thought this was wonderful. And so he then has Peter arrested, presumably intending to do exactly what he's done with James. But he has him arrested just prior to or during the, uh, the festival, going to execute him after the Passover. Just to be sure, he has four squads of four soldiers rostered to guard him. Peter was chained to a soldier by the wrist, one on his left, one on his right, and there were two who were standing outside his prison cell. Public enemy number one. Well, that's what it appears to be. Or perhaps number one threat to public order. And so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Although the situation here may appear dire, the church is praying for him. Notice that Luke says, but the church was praying. And they were praying earnestly because they were aggrieved. They were aggrieved because of the loss of James. They didn't want to lose another apostle. They didn't want to lose Peter. And where would it all end? Well, if, if Herod has begun with executing James, looks like he's going to do that to Peter, where's it all going to end? Will we be next? And apart from prayer, the church was powerless. And maybe you're facing something at the moment that apart from prayer, you can do absolutely nothing. Whatever your situation, prayer is where we need to start and where we need to finish. Whatever you might be facing at the moment, take it to the Lord in prayer. Trust God with it. Trust yourself into God's hands. The king, the king will take care of you. Because Peter too, he knew of James' death. And must have expected the same fate. Survival situations bring out the best and the worst in people. Who we are what we love, how much we trust, are willing to trust God is all revealed when we are truly hard-pressed. And so we read this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Peacefully sleeping. Sleeping like a baby. 
as you would. Not. Would you, bound by chains to two soldiers in a cold stone prison? Every time you move, the chain rattles. Would you sleep peacefully? That's the physical conditions, let alone knowing that, well, he's executed James, I'm next on the chopping block. Wouldn't you be lying there all night contemplating, worrying, thinking, what's the best line of, for, for my defence? What's the best argument I can take to Herod? Peacefully sleeping like a baby trusting himself into God's hands, as he does throughout the rest of his earthly life. He's trusting God. Later he would write these words that are words that he desired for all Christians to to take up, all Christians to follow. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter knew that his life and his death was in God's hands. So he sleeps peacefully. God then begins to answer the prayers of the church, even as they were praying. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Peter is so asleep so soundly asleep that the angel has to basically poke him in the ribs to wake him up. Even though this light shone in the, in the prison cell. He's fully asleep. Pokes him in the ribs to wake him up. It appears that Peter may have been one of those really deep sleepers. I don't know about you, but that's not me. Um... It appears the angel has to then tell him what to do and to lead him all the way. He's so groggy, it says that he thinks that this was all a dream. Now, Peter was in jail for a number of days. He was arrested during the festival that ran for a a whole week. And God could have stepped in right at the outset to release Peter. But God leaves him there until... The last moment, the last night. We often want God to intervene now. Come on, God, get on with it. We want him to intervene now and we get impatient with him as we wait. But often God waits till the last moment, probably to further test our our faith in him. If you're anxious, if you're impatient at the moment, I trust that your faith will hold firm, hold firm, stand firm. However, when the time was right, when the time was right for the Lord, when the time was right, his chains simply fell off. Verses 8 to 10 tell how the, the angel leads Peter every step of the way out to his safety. And after the angel had left him, verse 11, then Peter came to himself Basically, you know, sort of woke up. He came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches 
and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. He knew very well, he knew very well what their plan was and their plan was to execute him. God had stepped in and rescued him. And this illustrates the spiritual deliverance that's available to every one of us. Humanly speaking, Peter was in a hopeless situation. He's without hope, he's on death row, he's, he's chained to guards and he's asleep. And this is a picture of us in our sin. Chained by sin, condemned to die, unable to escape and for some people under the, the guard of Satan's demons are asleep. They're not even aware of their dire situation. But God sets us free from the chains that lead to death. He sets Peter free from the chains that were leading to death. He sets us free from the the chains that lead to death. We praise God for our salvation because he has stepped in. He sent the light to illuminate the spiritual darkness of our lives and break the chains of sin that have held us captive. For the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter. Are you earnestly praying? Are you earnestly praying for those that you know who are walking in darkness, who are held held captive, headed for an eternity in hell? Although you might even think the situation is hopeless, are you still praying? Keep praying. Peter's now on the streets in Jerusalem and he knew that he would have to flee for his own safety as Herod would certainly come looking for him. And so he made his way around to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, where the church had gathered and they are there right at that very moment in a prayer meeting. They're praying for Peter. He knocks on the outer door. The servant Rhoda recognises his voice. She is so overjoyed that she runs back and exclaims that Peter is outside. She didn't even let him in. She's so overjoyed. Their response, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were absolutely astonished. They didn't believe that Peter could be freed from prison and standing outside the door. They didn't expect God to answer their prayer so quickly. And they probably had an idea in their own mind how God would intervene. If God's going to intervene, it's going to happen the next day during the trial, give Peter the right words to say something. And so it's not about the intensity of your prayers. It's not about how earnestly you are praying. It's not about the level of your faith as to whether God will come through for you. It's not about using the right words in prayer or following the right formula. It's not about God answering our prayers in the way that we expect him to. 
It's simply about bringing our concerns to him and trusting him to work however he sees fit. However he sees fit, knowing that his answers are best. It's trusting God. You see, there's a danger in reading a story like this that we might expect that God will do for us just what he did for Peter. That God will come through and rescue, do something supernatural to step in and save us. We can expect God to do that. But the events that are surrounding Peter are balanced by the story of James. Let's not forget James. He's not spared, but rather put to death by the sword. Now we might think that's a tragedy. God doesn't step in to protect and save James. And we might go, why? Why not? God is following through with his plan and our faith in God must allow for both scenarios. Our faith in God must allow for both. God's following through with his plan. If we agree with the words of Paul when he said, for we know, do we actually really know For we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know. Whether we live or die, God works for our good. Whether God heals or chooses not to, he is working for good. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Peter was delivered to further extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth, whilst James was escorted into the glory of heaven. And I'm sure James was more than pleased. Neither were forsaken by God. God was with both of them. If you're feeling forsaken by God, then think again. Think again. You're not forsaken. And so Peter was rescued from the jaws of death. However, this is not the end of the story. He told his follower, his fellow Christians what had occurred and he asked them to share the story with James, Jesus' brother, and with others and then he left the city during the night. He fled. Verse 18 then says that there was no small commotion, were the, the precise words, no small commotion in the city as a result. Herod made a thorough search for Peter cross-examines the guards and then has them executed for failing in their duty. No small commotion. Following through into the end of the chapter, we read how Herod Agrippa met his untimely death. He left Judea and he went up to Caesarea and was staying there. Verse 21. 
On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people, and they shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. He was eaten by worms and died. I don't know what you're imagining right now. (laughs) But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. You see, the story of Peter's rescue and escape all falls within a much bigger story. There's a much bigger story or context that's going on. The, The story of Peter falls within this context. It is Herod Agrippa, the earthly king of the Jews, who attempts to assert his authority by taking steps to squash this growing religious sect that claims that Jesus is the king of the Jews, only to lose his life whilst the reign of the true king of the Jews goes from strength to strength. As the word of God continues to spread and flourish, Jesus is the true king. Do what you like, King Agrippa. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now in our chaotic world, as we consider what's happening around our world, Russia, North Korea, China, Afghanistan, we're reminded that there have always been wicked men doing wicked things. Herod Agrippa's. There will always be wicked men doing wicked things. But God is in control. God is in control. It was the prophet Daniel who said, It is God who changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the the wise and greater knowledge to those who have discernment. Herod grew up in the Jewish community, Jewish society. He was a Jew. Herod didn't give God the praise that he was due when he had the opportunity. He didn't seek to point the people to God, but was willing to accept all their praise unto himself. Now, we may not desire to have people praise us, but we do often make ourselves the centre of our world. So what's the bigger picture concerning your life? What's the bigger context? We get so wrapped up in our little world that we're so concerned about what's going on for us. Our world is all that we centre on. Can I suggest that we look for ways to broaden our focus? And one of the ways we can do that is subscribe to mission newsletters from OM, Gospel for Asia, Compassion, SIM, Voice of the Martyrs, the list goes on and on and on. You'll not only meet other people from other nations and read about their living conditions and start to think, that's how many in the world are living. 
but you'll also see how God is very much at work all around the globe. We're not the centre of the universe. So who is the king of your life? Placing self on the throne is fraught with danger. Jesus is the true king. And you and I, whether we recognise it or not, are living within his kingdom. This is our Father's world. He is sovereign and he's working out his purposes for good and working them out for the glory of God our Father. Amen? We really do need to think about how much we are trusting him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we have read this story from Acts 12 this morning, we've been reminded that there are times when you step in to rescue, there are times when you take us home to glory, but we've been reminded that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you that you are indeed working all things together for good. Father, would you forgive us for those times when we have not really believed that, that we've questioned what's going on in our lives and that we've been demanding toward you, asking you to step in and do this or do that, to rescue us, to to bring healing or whatever it is, Father. We ask for your forgiveness. Help us to trust you every moment of every day. And Lord, as we look around our world and we see the things that are happening around the world, again, Father, help us just to trust you. You are in control. You do place those who are in authority in authority. And we thank you that you remove those in authority when you so choose. Lord, again, help us to trust you. Help us to put all of our faith in you, whatever we're facing personally or in our world today. And Lord, help us to take with us a sense of peace that just shows others that we do have just that, peace, because you are in control. You are our God. You are the one who we trust. And so we thank you as we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.